funny because what I'm going to talk about tonight is what really matters. And that doesn't really matter. Oh, the rock says that too. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's his catchphrase. Okay, but that's not what my message is about anyway. But I really felt that um, tonight that we need to make some hard decisions. And uh, I was thinking about um, as a 14-year-old saying yes to Jesus in this church. Um, it was in the uh, Freeman's Bay. And I, uh, that was 28 years ago. 28 years. And, um, you know, people ask me different things like, wow, how did you, like, stay a Christian? You know, see, seeing what you've seen and, and how have you stayed strong in God? And um, I really love the scripture in Hebrews 12 where it talks about laying aside every weight or weights and sins and running with endurance, but also fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that's really carried me through my walk with God because some people go, oh, what's the key? And I'm like, well, actually laying aside the weights and the sins, running with endurance and fixing my eyes on Jesus. And they're like, is that it? And I'm like, yeah, it's not rocket science. It's the word of God. And um, as a 14-year-old, I remember uh, saying yes. You know, number one, I let my yes be yes. So when I'm under pressure, I go back to the non-negotiables. When I'm under pressure, say if I'm going through a hard time, and I've been through a lot of hard times because people say, oh, what have you been through? Well, you see the years speak against the minutes. And uh, I'm 42 now, and I've seen a lot of stuff. And uh, in all honesty, you see people fall morally, make moral failures, and no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, I've seen friends walk away from God. I don't know where they are right now. I've seen, uh, you know, in my family, uh, relationships uh, broken. And, and through that time, I can't stand there and say, oh God, I know I let my yes be yes, but I don't think I can handle this Christian thing. Because people go to me, oh, it's real weakness when you're a Christian, isn't it? Because weak people become Christians. And I went, it takes a strong person to be a Christian. You've got to have guts to be a Christian. Because in our world, if someone punches you in the face, you turn the other cheek. In my world, just looking at someone the second time is like adultery. In my world, you know, you've got to be honest. It's so easy to lie. But you've got to be strong and you've got to be tough to be a Christian. And in my journey, I've seen people walk away from God and it's been sad. I've got a heart for those that have turned their back on God because someone offended them. They've seen people that they've really honoured uh, fall or, or just, um, you know, a moral failure or something like that. But you know, there's a scripture in Romans 14, 12 that says this. It says, we all have to make a personal account before God. We all do. And it doesn't say the other person's account, it's our own account. When, be, when, we become, when we come before our maker, 
You can't blame the person next to you for your offense. You can't blame the person next to you because, you know, uh, they did something wrong. You know, it, it, it really gives me a fear of God that when I come before him, he's going to ask me, have you been a good steward with what I've given you? So when I'm under pressure, I've got to let my yes be yes. Number two, when I'm under pressure, you know, but the first one, I've got to let my yes be yes, but also, I've got to remember that this is temporary. And we can't make permanent decisions over temporal feelings. And every time I go through a situation that is hard, I can't handle, and I go, God, I'd rather do something else. I look at people that don't know Jesus and I go, they look so relaxed. Their life looks so easy. You know, in Psalm 73, uh, the psalmist says, God, those people are prospering. And then the psalmist said when he, he came into the sanctuary of God, he realized the end. He knew that they weren't going to a good place. But because he had God, he said, I'm so sorry, God. I'm thankful for what you've given me. And so, uh, you know, Pastor Wayne was asking me a while back, Kathy, have you ever shared about, you know, pain that you've been through or have you ever been vulnerable? And, I, I, you know, I have from time to time on stage. And, you know, the hard thing is that everybody's pain is individual. So my pain to you might not be that painful. You might be like, oh, that's nothing. Well, try having a sick husband for three years. You know, my husband, Sam, you know, he's the senior minister of the church. But uh, when we took over the church, and uh, we were only 25 years old, and uh, at the time, he was really sick, and we kind of kept it, you know, under wraps, because we thought, oh, maybe he's got a tummy bug. But that tummy bug lasted for a long time. It lasted for three years. And uh, I remember going to God, okay, I believe you're a healer. But uh, like I talked about with patience, I was like, okay, God, this is happening, you know, this is too long. Like three years is too long. And Sam was losing a lot of weight. And when he got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, it's a, um, just look it up. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we didn't even know what it was, you know. And uh, when he got diagnosed with it, um, I remember just my thinking. Because at the time, I, I knew the word of God, but what the pain did in my heart was it pushed me into prayer. And so I had to get on my knees and go, okay, God, I believe you're a miracle-working God. I believe that you're our healer. And there's a great saying that says, what is tested is trusted. And I was like, I love that saying, don't want to go through it. And uh, I was like, God, it's a great place to, you know, want a miracle and declare miracles. But when you're in the place of needing a miracle, it's actually quite, personally, I found it horrible. I was like, no. But then God was saying to me, do you want a testimony? And I thought, yep but I don't want one of those 40-year ones, you know, like, 
and now I'm 80 years old and you know. And so, uh, so that pain that I went through at the time pushed me into prayer. And God kept on showing me scriptures about this is temporary. This earth is temporary. But heaven is eternal. Heaven is our home. And so I was focused on that because what you focus on, you walk towards. And at the time, I was walking towards, okay, God, I believe in Sam's healing. Uh, Michaela was about, I think, three years old, and, and Ruby was just born. And uh, uh, Sam was getting better, and when we went on holiday, he started to get worse. And I've shared this before, he turned a color green, and apparently you can look gangrene when you've got infection inside your body, and he just didn't look right. And I remember the people that we were holidaying with, we holidayed with some people from church, and they said, is he supposed to look green? And I went, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so we were on holiday, and uh, I just drove in the car, sat in the car, and I started to entertain a thought, um, like, uh, God, I really don't understand you. I started to entertain the thought of, I don't really want to be here on earth. This is too hard. I can't handle it. And then he takes me back. Lay aside every weight and sin. Run with endurance. Endurance to bear the weight, to bear the pain. And I'm like... I'm like, God, can you just call me to do something else? Like, call us? Like, just wake Sam up and say, I want you to run a restaurant or something? Because pastoring a church, now, in all honesty, is hard. Because there are people involved. I think in any job that you do, it's hard. Because there's people involved, unless you're in IT. Right? IT people, you got it so easy. With your PlayStations, I don't know what IT people do. I don't know what's a code of conduct. I don't know what. Uh, anyway, I'm not speaking in my sphere of influence. Okay, so if you're in IT, I'm so sorry. You guys are amazing. You can talk to computers and stuff. That is wonderful. But when you're in the people business, when you're in, you know, when you're rubbing shoulders with people, it can be really difficult. It's really easy to be with nice people, isn't it? To be kind to your friends, so easy. And then there's difficult people that uh, sometimes God says, I want you to be their friend. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be their friend. <laughs> and then I'm reminded, it's not just love thy neighbor, it's love thy enemy. But we're not talking about the church, right? I was reading this amazing illustration about this lady who uh, decided, she told the pastor, I'm going to leave the church because there's too much gossiping. There's a lot of hypocrites. I'm like, we're all hypocrites. No one's perfect. If you are perfect, you can fly around the room. Okay. Just checking. Just in case. Just in case there was one perfect person. But uh, so this lady, she tells the pastor, and then he gives her one job. He says, before you leave, 
I want you to fill this cup with water and you can't spill it, but walk around the church three times. So she walks around the church and she's focusing on the water. I'm not going to spill it. Then at the end of that task, she says, I've done it. That's easy. And he says to her, in that moment, did you hear any gossiping? She was like, no. In that moment, while you were holding that cup of water, did you, did you see any hypocrites? She was like, no, I was focused on not spilling the water of the cup. And he said to her, well, that cup represents our life. That cup represents our life. And, and if we focus on what God has given us and what we're doing, offenses, gossiping, hypocrites, it's not going to affect us because laying aside every weight and sin, running with endurance and focusing, fixing my eyes on Jesus, that's what's kept me going. I've been offended. Then I've had to forgive. You know, I've been a hypocrite. My kids tell me sometimes, you know, the way I drive is ridiculous. Sometimes when I lose my temper, and I'm talking about recent, I'm not talking about like, oh, five years ago, I was an angry lady, and now I'm set free. Do you know we're a work in progress? No one has made it. Even though I've been a Christian for 28 years, God always pinpoints those areas laying aside every weight and sin, running with endurance, fixing my eyes on Jesus. There's a really uh, amazing scripture in uh, Galatians, where is it? Galatians 6, 4 to 5, it says, pay attention to your own work. Just imagine a cup. Pay attention to your own work, for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done. And then you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Pay attention. What has God given you? So my husband's sick. And, and I get the revelation that, you know what? This world is temporal. What we're going through right now is temporary. It's not permanent. And I get out of my car, I'm crying, bawling my eyes. You know when, you know, the window wipers are going but there's no rain? I had the window wipers on so no one could see me crying, but then I probably looked weird because the window wipers were like that. And I, I was crying and going, oh God, you know, having a pity party. And he just said to me, Kathy, this is not permanent. And I said, at that moment, it feels really permanent. And he always reminds me through his word. You know, as an e-group, we've been challenging each other, challenging each other to buy a Bible. Because we've got the Bible app. So that's just too easy. Let's get a real Bible. So we're all talking about buying a Bible and, you know, like really doing our devotions properly. And um, I have to buy a large print one because my eyesight's bad. And uh, so we've really challenged each other. But every time I'm under pressure, I remember I said yes to you, God. That's a non-negotiable. I'm not going to turn my back on you. 
Number two, this is not permanent. Number three, you know what? He is my prize. So I fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm running with endurance. It's painful sometimes. It gets really uncomfortable. There will be tears. And so after 42 days with Sam in hospital, I think I, I felt like a prune because I cried so much that whole time. But number one, the church. Don't ever knock the church. The best support I've ever had was the church. Through every painful situation. You know, my daughter Michaela said to me in the car on our way here, she said, man, mum, some of my friends don't have a community like this. I'm so grateful for our church. And I said, yeah, I am too. You know, through heartbreak, as a teenager, I remember when Sam and I broke up. Well, he broke up with me anyway. But I remember when it happened. And you know, all your girlfriends are like, is she all right? Is she all right? <coughs> and uh, I remember a few people going to me, so are you going to go to the same church? Because it's going to be a little bit awkward. And because uh, I found out that there were some girls that liked him as well. And I was like, so I'm laying aside every weight of shame because it was embarrassing. And I, I'm thankful for the friends I had in church that said, he's just a boy. <laughs> Plenty of fish in the sea. And I'm like, oh, but I loved him so much, you know. And you just feel like, you know, heartbreak is the worst when you're a young girl. You feel like your world is ending. Like, I think I wore black the whole time. It was like <laughs> black lipstick, you know, black eyeliner. I'm like, I hate you, Sam, I hate you. Do you know he had a fan club? Actually, a lot of the monk boys did. And there used to be girls that used to chant, the monk boys, oh, so horrible. We're not into idolatry in this church. Anyway, so I had to get with God and say, okay, God, and I had my, my friends with me that said, he can do it. He's just a boy. So I'm laying aside every weight of shame and pain. I'm running with endurance, walking every Sunday into church, seeing his face. I'm here to praise Jesus, not you, Sam, you know, one of those ones. And, uh, but who knows when you go for God, and if it's part of your heart's desire, if that guy is worthy of you, he'll catch up. So you wait for him. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm fixing my eyes. I'm not looking at you. These eyeballs are for him. Because who knows, as a, as, a, as a young person, we've got to protect what we look at. was so good looking and it was really hard not to look at him. Oh, is this being recorded? Delete it. <laughs> delete, delete, anyway. But it was hard, but my relationship with God became stronger. Laying aside every weight, 
running with endurance and fixing my eyes on Jesus. And so 28 years of going through heartbreak and then today's Father's Day. So my, my dad passed away about 19 years ago. He was the decision point for our family. He got saved in his 60s. And uh, for a Samoan man, that's, that's a miracle. Because he was very, uh, he was a staunch Presbyterian. Didn't like anyone jumping or, or jeans. Like if he saw me in jeans, he'd be like, oh, you know. Uh, but just that whole traditional side of him was so strong. And he was an angry man. My, my, my older siblings knew him as violent. And when he said yes to Jesus, the first time I ever saw him lift his hands in worship, I nearly fell over. And he would pray for me and my sister and my brother. And I was the person in the back of church that would mock everybody. There's always a, you know, a group of people that are like, oh, those guys look so dumb. You know, I was one of those people. I would start judging people as they walked in. I'd be like, oh. And my dad was secretly praying for me. I could hear him sometimes in his room. Lord, I pray for Kathy, you know. <laughs> I, you know, I pray she meets a handsome man, a good Samoan man. I'm like, oh, can't fix that one anyway. But she, he would pray for me. He would pray for me every day. He was my decision point. And he loved Jesus so much, even in his broken English. I used to, we used to laugh at him because uh, I remember one time, just a quick story, a Father's Day story, when um, my friends were following us and we were on our way to McDonald's and it was the first McDonald's in, in, in Auckland. And I was so excited because I was like, yeah, Dad, Dad's going to shout us. And our friends were behind us and it was the first time we'd ever used like, you know, uh, drive through And it said order here. And I, Dad drove past that and he started ordering from the rubbish bin. <laughs> and I remember my friends going to me, ah, your dad. And I'm like, oh, Dad, you're so embarrassing. And he goes, at least I can speak three languages. And I was like, three? <laughs> like, Samoan, English, and tongues. Anyway. <laughs> You can add that to your repertoire. But my dad loved Jesus. And his advice to me was, Kathy, you need to love God because one day you're going to meet him. And he would say that to me. And, you know, he'd always open up his Bible and speak to me in Samoan. So when I'm under pressure, I go back to, I've got to let my yes be yes said yes to him as a 14 year old 28 years later I'm still going strong because my eyes are fixed on him this isn't permanent, what you're going through is not permanent but you know what number three he is my prize and I don't want to state that it's not a religious thing. 
and I don't want to dress it up. Because I know there are people here that have never had their prayers answered. I've seen people die in this church. I've seen families break up in this church. I've seen a lot of things. And I go, okay, God, I don't understand. But here's the confidence I get from him is he's with me. He's with me. And even if I don't see my answers now, even if it's a long, long time coming, you know, my desire is to see a permanent space for this church. And I'm like, God, I want to see a church where our kids can bring their friends and it's a permanent space, there's parking, everything is taken care of. And I can see it in my mind's eye. I'm thinking, okay, I see that church for us. But God, if it doesn't happen, you're still my prize. You're still my joy. No matter what happens. And I think sometimes we can lose you know, the sense of wonder because we go, God, um, thank you for answering my prayers. But what about thank you for not answering? Because that's not the goal. Um, I believe that he answers prayers and I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives and I have faith. But just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were walking around in the furnace, and Jesus was walking with them, that, that would be enough for me. They could have died in the furnace, but because they didn't bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, we will not bow down, and we believe that our God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will still worship. And that's the key to endurance. That's the key to keep going, to walking, you know, when, when stuff is happening. That's the key. When someone breaks your heart, you're laying aside every weight. You're laying aside every sin. You're running with endurance. You're bearing the weight. Even when you think you can't handle it, you can. Because He is with you. He is with you in the fire. He is with you out of the fire. And do you know what? When they come out of the fire, there is no smell of smoke. And so I just want to finish right now because I want God to minister to you. I'm really, really passionate about seeing people in their 50s and 60s still saying yes to Jesus. I get really discouraged even when I see younger people just being weighed down, just falling under, basically being like a feather, getting knocked down so easily. But my prayer for you tonight is that He, Jesus, will be your prize. This is temporary. Heaven is our permanent home. 
in whatever decisions you make, even if it's for the next five years, next 10 years, that's cool. You know what? Without Jesus, it's a waste of time. And I'm saying that even if you're a Christian in this room and you're making all these plans and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to encourage you. Make him your goal. Make him your prize. Because he wants your heart. So when people ask me, what's kept you going? It's really simple. I love him so much. I really do. Like, I love him so much. And when his presence fills the room, in my bedroom, in my car, I can't get enough of him. 42 right now, and I'm still learning more about him. So God is calling you 